Episode 40, Church History, Part 9. After the devious persecution of the Christians from Emperor Diocletian and Caesar Galerius, the East and the West leadership of the Roman Empire began to change. Diocletian chose Constantine and Maxentinius to be his successors as Emperor and Caesar in the West. Galerius' nephew, Maximinus, takes over the East and tries to continue the persecution of the Christians done by his uncle. Constantine becomes emperor in the West in 306, but Maxentinius felt he should have been the sole emperor. Constantine eventually goes to war with Caesar Maxentinius, who had taken over Africa and Italy and defeats him. Constantine consolidates his military as he conquers his rivals. Between 308 and 313, Constantine meets Licinius and becomes allies as Constantine's half-sister marries Licinius. Licinius defeats Maximinus, the nephew of Galerius, and becomes the emperor of the East between 308 and 313 AD. Constantine, emperor in the West, Licinius, emperor in the East. Constantine and Licinius agrees that all persecution of Christians must stop, and they created the Edict of Milan, discussed in episode 29. They decided to legalize Christianity. Christianity was in all parts of the Roman Empire except in the East. In 320 AD, historians say Licinius began to oppress Christians there, and he went against the Edict. Licinius even accused the Christians in the East of spying, and they were eventually expelled. Then Constantine accuses Licinius of persecution of the Christians and led his army to defeat Licinius in the east in Nicomedia. Constantine did not kill Licinius, but he was exiled to Thessalonica. Constantine was now in full control of the Roman Empire in the east and the west. He eventually accuses Licinius of treason and has him arrested and hanged. Constantine was in complete control and wanted to restore glory and prosperity to the Roman Empire, and he felt Christianity would do just that. Constantine makes the Greek city of Byzantium the new capital of Rome. He called it Constantinople, and this new city would be protected by the true cross that he saw in a vision. A new day of rest for Christians was legalized as Sunday for the unconquered sun, which Septimius worshipped as well. And even though Christianity was the new religion of Rome, Constantine never followed the Christian bishops and the teachers. He followed paganism. He worshipped Victoria and Apollo. He began the building of the large church structures, filling the churches with gifts galore. Constantine was the high priest of Rome. His edict allowed church properties to be tax-exempt, promoted Christians to high offices, returned property taken in the previous years of persecution back to the Christians, allowed church members to leave their possessions and property to the church, bequeathed. Keaton Prepper states, after many centuries, these freedoms would make the church rich in land and other forms of wealth. Pagans, the end of traditional religion and the rise of Christianity by James O'Donnell writes, with governmental approval, money and influence began to flow toward Christian communities, especially in the larger cities. The emperor gave gifts, so other dignitaries followed suit. Wealthy men offered support for building fine new buildings and left gifts in their wills. Gifts to the church of productive agriculture property were a kind of endowment, guaranteeing continuing income. Just as an old master painting, once it gets to a museum, it's unlikely to move again. So as wealth flowed to the ancient and medieval church, it stayed there, undivided by descendants. 
Rome then is still Rome now. Just look at the Christian church. Constantine followed syncretism, which is worship what you want, but the sun is the supreme deity. Thus, Christians were still able to follow their Christian and pagan beliefs as before. Another heresy or schism began in 256 AD and became popular under Constantine's reign, which was Arianism. Arianism was established by Arius, a Christian priest or presbyter in Alexandria. Arianism became a major theological movement in the Christian Roman Empire during the 4th century, 301 to 400 AD. The conflict between Arianism and Trinitarian beliefs was the first major battle of doctrine in the Christian church after Constantine legalized Christianity. Arianism became a huge controversy that divided the Roman Empire and set limits for the Christian religion. The controversy included bishops, priests, and everyday Christians throughout the Roman Christian Empire. Historians note that Germany and the barbarians really embraced the Arianism Christian religion. Arianism believed Yeshua is distinct from Yah. They're not a part of a trinity. They are not co-eternal. Yeshua is subordinate to Yah. Yah cannot change, but Yeshua is subject to change. Yah and Yeshua were made differently. Aaronism went against the Trinity concept of God, Yeshua, and Holy Spirit being the same or one. The writings of Arius, the priests, were confiscated by his enemies, and they were burned. But one line was said to have been written by him, which says, God was not always a father. Once God was alone, and not yet a father, but afterwards he became a father. The son was not always. He was made out of nothing, and once he was not. What? Arianism confirmed God's original existence as a solitary being and not a trinity from the beginning. He said Yahshua was created from nothing. Therefore, Yah and his son were not made of the same substance. Nonetheless, Arianism spread like wildfire, and soon there were debates and fights between Christian followers of Arianism and Christian followers of the Trinity. There were ongoing fights, even with bloodshed, over the nature of Yeshua's relationship to the Father. So this fighting among Christians was one of the main reasons why Constantine and the Council of Bishops from the East and the West called the Council of Nicaea and drafted the Nicaea Creed to confirm the relationship of Yeshua and the Father as one, as the Trinity and other laws were determined as well. But what does the Bible say? Matthew 3, 16, And Yeshua, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him. He saw the Spirit of Yah descending like a dove and lighting upon him. After being baptized, Yeshua came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open and saw the Spirit of Yah descending as a dove and lighting on him, Matthew 12, 28. But if I, Yeshua, cast out demons by the spirit of Yah, then the kingdom of Yah has come unto you, Matthew 22:44. Yah said unto my Yeshua, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool, Matthew 24, 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only, Matthew 27, 46. Yeshua cried out, Yah, Yah, why hast thou forsaken me? Yeshua could not have forsaken himself. He was talking to another being, his father. Matthew 28 and 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ruach. Luke 3, 22. And the Holy Ruach descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. 
a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved son, and thee I am well pleased. These are distinct beings. They're not all the same. John 14, 26, 28. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ruach, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. This is Yeshua speaking. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye will rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. John fifteen twenty six. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 17, 1. These words spake Yeshua, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Yeshua prayed to his Father. He didn't pray to himself. John 20, 17. Yeshua said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Yeshua did not ascend to himself. He ascended to his Father. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. No one is greater than Yah. Yah is greater than Yahshua and the Holy Ruach. Verse 30, I and my Father are one, one in purpose, not one as in the same person. First John 5, 7 through 8. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree in one. Yeshua does not ever say that the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost are one. He never says that the spirit and the water and the blood agree in one. So where did this come from? Well, this passage of scripture has been reviewed by many people, historians, theologians, and many have concluded that this is a misinterpretation of scripture or blatant error in translation to solidify the Trinitarian doctrine. Bible.org states, The Trinitarian formula known as Coma Yenuum made its way into the third edition of Aramis Greek New Testament 1522 AD because of pressure from the Catholic Church. After his first edition appeared in 1516 AD, there arose such a furor over the absence of the Coma that Aramis needed to defend himself. He argued that he did not put in the coma because he found no Greek manuscripts that included it. Truth Wars concludes, Yah is a single entity. There is no one like him. He is unmatched. He is royalty with no one on his level ever. Yeshua does the will of Yah, his father. The Holy Ruach does the will of Yah. Regardless of what the followers of Arianism or the Christian Trinity says, by the year 330 AD, Constantine had managed to fully establish a single empire that would be controlled by the Romans and comprised of one church with the belief in the Holy Trinity 
and not Aaronism. But Deuteronomy 6 and 4 through 5 says, Hear, O Israel, Yah is one, and you shall love Yah with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Matthew 22, 32. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Deuteronomy 1 and 8. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land, which Yah swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. These are the fathers of the Israelites and the Judaites. These are our fathers, not the church fathers of the Christian Catholic Church. Exodus 3, 15. And Yah said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt thy say unto the children of Israel, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Deuteronomy 11 and 1. Therefore thou shalt love Yah thy God, and keep his charge and his statutes, and his judgments, and his commandments, always. As we seek truth, please seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or come at here. We don't claim to know everything. We just seek the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that knows everything. Let truth roar. Let truth reign. Let truth speak. And let truth set you and your entire family free. Truth roars. Truth reigns. Truth speaks. Truth sets me free. Please see a podcast disclaimer at truthwars.com.